This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 18th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. From the tea parties to Occupy Wall Street, bailouts are not popular, and freeing up markets in healthcare are increasingly popular. But public opinion can change. Scott Rasmussen at Cato Club 200 discussed how Americans feel about taxes, retirement, entangling foreign alliances, health care, and the election of 2012. We now know that the bailout issue has become truly toxic. And the reason we know that has nothing to do with polling data, nothing to do with any candidates. It has to do with a Ford car commercial. Has anybody seen this one? Okay, Ford has this deal where people come in, they bring a car buyer in to a mock press conference, and they ask the guy, Chris, you know, were you looking to buy American? Was it important to you to buy American? And his answer was, it was important for me to buy from a company that was not bailed out. And he went on to say that being American means that you, you, know, you stand up and you win or you lose on your own. You don't take those bailouts. Now, I know that this was all a gimmick and that Ford just picked one they wanted to show, but they would not have shown this commercial if they didn't have lots of market research showing that this is a winning issue. And just two nights ago, I was in Florida and saw a stock brokerage firm saying that they were not bailed out either. This issue is becoming the biggest problem that the political elite has in the country today. And make no mistake about it, the biggest political divide in America is not between Republicans and Democrats in Washington. It's between the American people and their political leaders. That's where the divide is. The reason we have a fiscal crisis today is because our political leadership has pursued their own agenda for 40 years, and they have ignored what the American people were looking to do during that time. Now, this creates some great opportunities, lots of skepticism, lots of cynicism out there. Uh, we ask people about the fiscal crisis and the proposed solutions. Three out of four say they're not going to do anything before election 2012 which, again, is a rational expectation based on what we're seeing. The question gets to be, what comes out the other side of this? I can come up with all kinds of scary scenarios. If a Republican wins the White House and doesn't make fundamental change, we're in for a very bumpy ride heading into 2016. If a Democrat gets reelected and doesn't bring about fundamental change, then the Republican Party will have to figure out how they couldn't win in these circumstances. And there will be a chance to undo the current leadership of the Republican Party. But ultimately, it comes back to where are voters looking to be in all of this. And um, the, that's where I get some encouragement. Uh, when we start talking about issues instead of government positions or political parties, we find lots of things to be really upbeat about. We talk about the health care law. People are really excited about experimenting with free market alternatives in the health care realm. Now, they want to carve out some protections. They think anybody should be allowed to get emergency room service, whether they have insurance or not. Uh, but you know what? The people who are uninsured and use health insurance, uh, use the emergency room services, makes up about two-tenths of a percent of the total medical care cost in the country. So carve out that exception. Work on the other 99.8%. Um, address the concerns of the poor with different programs, uh, but let 
the market begin to work. Uh, another area that we're seeing change in is people's attitudes towards social security and our national security systems. In social security, this is actually a great example of a way to connect people's belief in individual rights to a larger societal goal. People like what social security has done for their parents and their grandparents. They know it's not funded well. They don't think it's going to be around for today's children, but they don't like talk of getting rid of it. But overwhelmingly, people believe that they should have the right to pick their own retirement age. If you want to retire later and pay less in taxes, okay. If you want to retire earlier and pay more in taxes, your choice. You can actually jigger the numbers to make sure that it balances Social Security over the long haul. And most people under the age of 40 would say, great, I'll stop paying my Social Security tax and I'll take a retirement age 75, 76 years old. That doesn't get you to where you know, Mike Tanner would like you to be at, or a Cato position of a privatized system, but it does roll with the flow of where public opinion is. And it's important to recognize that that's consistent with this basic idea of people having their own rights and applying it to a societal solution. When you start talking about the military, this is my favorite one of all because if we go out and say, should we cut military spending or should we spend more or whatever, uh, Republicans say we need to spend more, Democrats say we need to spend less, and unaffiliated voters say it's about right. And then we say, okay, should we make sure that we always spend at least three times as much as any other nation in the world on national defense? About one out of four people say, yeah, we should spend that much. We currently spend six times as much as any other nation in the world on national defense. Uh, the good folks at Cato uh, gave me a list of 54 countries that we are obligated to defend, to provide military assistance to if they're attacked. The American people are willing to defend 11 of those 54. And uh, just to give you a sense of some that don't make the cut, France, Spain, Portugal, <laughs> Denmark, Poland, Turkey. We have reached a point where people believe that our alliances put us more at risk rather than make us safer. Most Americans are willing to pull troops out of Western Europe. They're willing to pull troops out of Japan. Not willing to pull them out of South Korea, but that's a different situation, I guess. But as you begin to look at this, you realize that people have a fundamentally different view of our national security role. And uh, it's really amazing to say this, uh, but Ronald Reagan had a much less adventurous policy uh, in terms of military intervention than any of his successors. And the American people strongly agree with Ronald Reagan's idea that we should never put U.S. troops in harm's way unless there's a vital national security interest at stake. And they don't think there was any national security interest in Libya. They don't think there's any interest in staying in Afghanistan. They don't think there's any interest in staying in Iraq. It is a completely different world view. Uh, you can come up with lots of ways to envision how this would roll out. But what I can tell you is it's not going to be because people are sitting down and logically explaining to members of Congress that the polling says this and therefore you should follow this policy recommendation. I once had the honor of working with Howie Rich on term limits 
and uh, got to speak to the New York City Council about a term limits law that had been passed on the city officials. And, and I was amazed, because I'm pretty good at math, and I didn't know how this could happen. But even though the New York City law passed with 70% of the vote, every single council member told me their district voted against it. <laughs> when you talk to a political person about those numbers, it doesn't get you anywhere. What we have to do is engage the general public mood, and it will find, require some creative solutions. It will require uh, doing some really crazy things along the way. On education, it may require setting up some private companies that don't even depend on government funding for a while to address concerns that people have with the education system. Uh, and not getting government permission to do it, finding ways to work within the existing system to show people that there is a solution. Because that's what is missing for most people. They, are, they love freedom, they love their individual rights, they don't know how to connect it. Scott Rasmussen is founder and president of Rasmussen Reports. He spoke at the Cato Club 200 retreat. You can learn more about Cato events around the country at our website, cato.org.